Open your Bibles to Acts 15. The title of this morning's message is, When Friends Disagree, New Partnerships, Same Mission. When Friends Disagree, New Partnerships, Same Mission. It's in Acts chapter 15. If you're here as a guest for the very first time, let me speak to you. Uh, Let me encourage you to take this time to grab a Bible. If you don't have one, we have some on the back table. Uh, And if you can't find one there, Bentley said he would give you his brand new leather Bible (laughs) in honor of the pregnancy. But it's important for you to grab the Bible and open it. It's important for you to, to listen, not because I'm the one speaking, because I believe God's the one speaking through his word. And so we begin with God's word. I'll be preaching God's word and I trust that the thoughts that I communicate are, are, are coming from God's Word. And then God, the Holy Spirit, does encourage the church through application to us as a local church. So that is the desire we have this morning. This is a, a very key moment in the life of our church when the Word of God is preached. And so that's what's happening right now. Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 35, please. When friends disagree, new partnerships, same mission. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord, and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had gone and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp, sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord and went through Syria and Cilicia and strengthening the churches. Chapter 16 verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. And they increased in numbers daily. Lord, would you please strengthen Palm Vista Community Church through the gospel, through sound doctrine right now, and increase our numbers, I pray. And I pray that for Sovereign Grace Church Miami, as they will begin their service in just a few minutes. Bless my friend Jose as he preaches your word. Increase them daily. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, we told you about this new CD, which is a partnership between Sovereign Grace Ministries and La Iglesia Bautista Internacional, affectionately called La Ibi. You can see here on the front of the CD, Presentado por Sovereign Grace Ministry en Junto con La Ibi. So it's a partnership. In fact, on the front of this CD, you will see the worship team of La Ibi, led by Jonathan Jerez, right in the center there. He's a young uh, worship leader, a songwriter, who wrote three of the songs on this CD. Yahweh, Un Siervo para tu Gloria, and El Dios que Adoramos. There's a fourth song written by a a Spanish worship leader, uh, Mauricio, And then the other 12 songs are basically Sovereign Grace songs that have been translated into Spanish. One of them being A Mighty Fortress from our Age to Age CD. 
And I've enjoyed this week, now that Bentley has discovered this CD, I've enjoyed this week hearing Bentley sing at the top of his lungs in the office next to mine, Castillo Fuerte. (laughs) I know, I can't sing, I got it. But this is a great resource, the partnership that we, that God forged between us and La Ibi. This is a great resource for you. If you want to learn Spanish, you know 12 of the songs already. You can sing them. You know the tunes. You can sing them in Spanish, and you can learn Spanish, as we did this morning. The song words were there in Spanish and in English. Friends, this partnership between Sovereign Grace Ministries and La Ibi is producing a CD that is based on the Bible that's got strong biblical lyrics. This is the Word of God. This is sound doctrine being sung. And we pray that this partnership would strengthen Spanish-speaking churches in the United States, in the Caribbean. I'm going to take, actually, uh, uh, Jose and Odalis are going to be going to Cuba here in, at the end of the month of May, and they're going to be taking 10 of these to our churches there in Cuba And they're going to be sharing them with all the pastors. That's going to strengthen the church with sound doctrine. Strengthening the churches in Latin America. Those churches we work with in Bolivia. The churches that Gabby is visiting in Peru. Strengthening Spanish-speaking churches in Spain. I just found out Mark Dever is going to be going to to Spain and doing a conference there. My heart really does uh, beat for the country of Spain. My grandfather was from Spain. Desi and I were very close to being missionaries in Spain many, 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 many years ago to join a friend of mine that planted a church in Madrid. Instead, God sent us in a different direction. But my heart beats for Spain. I've been there many times. Desi and I have done missions there. The church in Spain is very small, the evangelical church, very weak. Our own Roberto Niliana are in Guernica, where he's from in northern Spain in the Basque country right now with his family, preaching the gospel. I know. I know them. They are sharing the gospel. May it strengthen Spanish-speaking churches throughout the world. And it's because of the partnership. It's because of the partnership between these two ministries. It's interesting, on the back of the cover is a good old gringo, Bob Coughlin, who heads up Sovereign Grace Ministries Worship and Music. Jonathan Jerez, a young up-and-coming worship leader, Dominican, Bob Coughlin. Sovereign Grace Ministries, Laibi in a partnership, in a partnership to produce materials that will strengthen the local church, the Spanish-speaking local church. I was at the the, the recording of this CD. Corey and I were there. It was an incredible evening. I was incredibly strengthened personally by seeing young people lead us in worship with the skills God had given them, singing songs that reflected the Word of God. I was strengthened personally. The church was strengthened We're strengthened when we sing that song in English and in Spanish. And that's what this message this morning is about. That's what this text is about. It is about strategic partnerships that God uses to strengthen the local church. It's about strategic partnerships that strengthen the church with sound doctrine. And that's the main point. The main point, I believe, of this text this morning is as follows. Strategic partnerships strengthen the church with sound doctrine. Strategic partnerships strengthen the church with sound doctrine. What strengthens us is when we hear or sing, and certainly when we live and apply the sound doctrine of the Word of God. And as we examine these strategic partnerships this morning, let me encourage you in this. Let me encourage you to be thinking about the strategic partnerships God wants to forge between you and someone in this church to strengthen the local church. Now listen, the strategic partnerships that God forges between us here are not going to be strengthening the Spanish-speaking church on a global level like this strategic partnership is. However, God is calling us to forge strategic partnerships that will strengthen the Spanglish-speaking church, that is Palm Vista, on a local level. So that we can call our neighbors and friends in this community 
to follow Christ as his disciples. That is our mission. And the way we do it is through strategic partnerships, whether on a global level between Sovereign Grace and Laibi, or on a local church level between you and the person sitting next to you. Between you and somebody who has been called of God to be used of God in a particular way, and God wants to forge a strategic partnership. Are you alert to it? Are you aware? Think about that as we look at the strategic partnerships in this text. Look at verse 35 of chapter 15. The strategic partnership, we all know this partnership. We've been following this partnership for the last couple of sermons. It's between Paul and Barnabas. Acts 15, 35. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. These guys have probably been in strategic partnership for 15 plus years. If this text is taking place in around 49 A.D., then they probably met for the first time in around 34 A.D. when Barnabas befriended Paul and said, Come on, Paul, I'll take you to the apostles in Jerusalem because they're all afraid of you because they heard, the last thing they heard about you is that you were killing people that were Christians. And they don't believe that God has saved you on the road to Damascus, but I believe you. Come on. And since that day in 34 AD, Paul and Barnabas have been buddies. They've been partners in the gospel. As a matter of fact, it was Barnabas who, when the church in Antioch started flourishing and growing so fast that he needed someone to help him pastor that church, went and found Paul in his hometown of Tarsus and said, come on, let's go work at Antioch. And work they did. As a matter of fact, as they were in Antioch together in this strategic partnership, God then sent them out on a missions trip. And if we can have the map up there, please. So God sent them out from Antioch, which is in Syria, and he sent them on this missions trip that we had just been discussing, where they went to the island of Cyprus, and then they took a boat here to Pamphylia. And here in Galatia, they they planted churches in Derbe and Iconium and Lystra. And so this strategic partnership between Paul and Barnabas was powerful. And after they returned from that missionary trip, when they sailed back from here to Antioch, God then used this dynamic duo, this partnership, to go all the way to Jerusalem. Because when they were on mission here with the gospel amongst all these Greek-speaking people, these pagans, and many, many were saved by the grace of God, a question arose. Do these Greek-speaking pagans who now are saved by faith in Christ, do they need to be circumcised like a Jew and obey the law of Moses like a Jew to be part of God's people? And so Paul and Barnabas said, no, that would be adding something to the gospel. You can't add anything to faith in Jesus alone by the grace of God alone. So they went to Jerusalem. They had this huge council and this dynamic duo through the grace of God was able to give testimony of what God had done through them. And the Jerusalem council, the elders and apostles in Jerusalem wrote a letter and said, okay, Gentiles, you do not have to be circumcised to be saved. You do not have to obey the law of Moses. Please abstain from idolatry and all the forms of idolatry because Jesus is now your Lord. Stop going to these temple practices. Stop abstain from these idolatrous things. But you are saved by faith alone and Jesus alone through the grace of God alone. And this partnership between Paul and Barnabas, secures the the gospel. The gospel is guarded. And then they head from Jerusalem. And now they go back to Antioch. And when we pick them up here in in uh, in this text, they've gone, they've walked all the way back from Jerusalem to Antioch, about 240 miles. And in chapter 15, verse 35, they are now teaching and preaching to the church in Antioch. This dynamic duo. This dynamic partnership. This incredibly faithful partnership that has been in existence for over 15 years is about to be dissolved by God. What? Yes. Yes. Look at verse 36. After some days, Paul says, Hey, Barnabas. Hey, Barnabas. Let's go all the way back. Remember, they're in Antioch right here. Let's go all the way back to all these churches that God used us to reach with the word of the Lord, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go back and visit these guys, and let's find out how they're doing. Verse 36, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord. That's the gospel. And see how they are. Sounds good, right? Barnabas is on board with the idea. Let's go, man. We're just getting started. 
We are partners. We are teammates. Forget the Miami Heat. Not one championship, not two championships, not three, not four, not five. Let's just keep going, man. Let's keep preaching the gospel. Let's keep planting churches. Yeah, let's do it. Except for Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. Look at verse 37. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. But Paul, verse 38a, thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Okay, guys, certainly you can work this out. You want to draft this guy. Yeah, but that guy quit on us last time. When we, were, when we were in the playoffs, he quit on us. That guy left us in Pamphylia. So I don't want him on the team. Okay, we've got the big three, actually got the big two. Uh, we're going to do okay, right? We can get through this, right? This isn't doctrine. This, this, isn't, this isn't the Trinity. This isn't salvation by faith alone and Christ alone. No, no, this is, this is just who are we going to take on the team? We can work this out, right? No. Look at verse 39. And there arose a sharp disagreement. Now, sharp disagreement. See, we're from South Florida. We are not very subtle people. Okay? Yeah. If we were British, we would understand this. I mean, they had a down and out fight. They were screaming at each other. They, they had put their cars in park on the Palmetto. They were out yelling at each other. There were some guns coming out. I mean, you know, you cut me off. No, you cut me off. And it was that silly. It was over something that secondary, and they're having a sharp disagreement to the, to the point that so that they separated from each other. What? I mean, folks, I will be honest with you. This, this is one of those scriptures where I just, I scratch my head. I say, Lord, I don't understand this one. Now, here's what I do understand. According to the Bible, in Acts 13, 13, and the scripture is there up on the, up on the screen. According to the Bible, John Mark, the guy in dispute, did leave them. Okay. Now, Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. If we can go back to the map. So basically, in the first missionary journey, they, they set sail from Paphos, Right? They got to Perga, and John Mark, this is maybe a year into the trip, for some reason said, you know what, I'm out of here. See this little dotted line going this way? If you read right here, John Mark returns to Jerusalem. I don't know if he had a girlfriend in Jerusalem. I, I, I don't know if he got like his promised job in Jerusalem. I don't know if he was just tired of eating bad food and sleeping on the floor. I don't know if he knew what was going to happen when they got over to Lystra and Derby because they almost killed Paul and Lystra. I don't know, but the bottom line is he left them. In fact, look in your Bibles. Look what Paul says about this guy in verse 38. He says, Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. He abandoned us. And I'm not going to take this guy because if we get into a really serious situation, he's going he's gonna to damage the mission if he leaves us again. If he quits on us in the fourth quarter again, we're going to lose the game. I don't want this guy. And they split. Verse 39, they split. They separated from each other. And do you know that other, other than one brief mention in the Bible, Barnabas disappears after this. He's mentioned once briefly in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as a colleague of Paul, but we never hear from Barnabas again. This is a guy who played a prominent role in the beginning of the church. This is the son of encouragement. This is the guy that gave all of his money to the church. This is the guy that said, Paul, let me connect you with, with Peter. You want to talk about strategic partnerships. This is a guy that said, God used this guy to say, Paul, come on. Peter, come on. Don't be afraid of Paul. He's not going to kill you. Let's get together. He's the one that brought Paul in with the apostles. We just heard all that he and Paul did Uh, over the last 15 years, and he's gone. 
Where'd he go? How about John Mark? Do we ever hear about John Mark again? That's the question. What happened to John Mark? Well, if this is in 49 AD, we do have a glimpse of John Mark in Colossians 4, 10 through 11. I believe the passage is there. And this passage was penned in 62 AD. So 49 AD, Paul says, I don't want John Mark. He's unreliable. He's a quitter. He's unfaithful. I don't want this guy on my team. 49 AD. 62 AD, Paul, writing from a prison, probably in Rome, writing to a church in Colossae, hence Colossians. In chapter 4, verse 10, look what he says about John Mark. Colossians 4, 10 to 11. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. This is the same Mark. Barnabas' cousin. Concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So 13 years later, Paul is able to commend John Mark and say, receive this guy, i.e., I trust him. And Paul is able to say, he doesn't know, he no longer lives for himself, but he lives to help the church. He's a comfort to me. How about you today? Are you John Mark, A.D. 49, who abandons the work, sits in the back row, doesn't really listen, doesn't really give, doesn't really serve, and isn't really with us in the work? Or are you the John Mark in 62 A.D. who can be commended and reliable and faithful and giving and a comfort to the church? Folks, we need comfort right now. Do you understand that? We need to gather together and work hard There's this thing God's called us to do. It's called the Great Commission, and it's not easy. And our brothers and sisters in in Westchester are suffering and hurting, and our brother Jose has put his life on the line to go do it, and they're hurting, and they need help, and we need help. And since we planted them out, it's been hard. And are you chilling with John Mark on the return cruise from Paphos, drinking your margaritas? Are you hammering away in South Galatia, getting rocks thrown at you, comforting us? Oh, friends, one day we're all going to stand before the Lord and give an account. I'm just encouraged that we hear about John Mark again. And God got through to him and said, it's not about you, John Mark. It's not about your career. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your life. It's not about your safety. It's about the kingdom. And John Mark got it. He got it. May we get it. May we get it. I cannot answer to you what happened between these two men. I do not understand why Barnabas and Paul separated. I don't get it. And you know what's even more difficult here for me? Is that Barnabas and Saul, Paul, aren't the only dynamic partnerships that have separated recently that puzzle me. Because if you're a guest, you won't know much about this, but if you've been here for a while, there are many friends of mine that I have partnered with for over 15 years. And there are other churches and pastors and Sovereign Grace Ministries that have partnered for 30 plus years. We've just separated And it's kind of like, it's like this deal. Like, if we would have separated over, like, the doctrine of the Trinity, I get it. No problem. If we would have separated over over even soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, how we're saved, we're reformed in our thinking about salvation, and God is sovereign in salvation. If we would have separated over that, I get it. We separated over whether our cousins should go with us on this missionary journey. A disputable matter. And I don't get it. That's why I need your comfort. Just, just come hold me. I don't get it. I can't give you an answer. Anybody who thinks they can, put a big question mark over their head right now. All those that have all the answers and are willing to dispense them online with venom and vile 
and certitude that only God has. I don't know if that's a reliable source. You be the judge. But this is what I can tell you. That in verse 39a, it tells me that God allowed it and that God took this separation, which is sad to me, and out of one partnership made two. Made two. Because now suddenly in verse 39, what do I read? B, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. To Cyprus, if I can get the map back up there. So these guys are from Cyprus, right? Barnabas is, uh, uh, Mark is his nephew, right? Sorry, his cousin. And so they, they sail back to Cyprus. We know that Barnabas is from Cyprus. So what happens? One partnership, that's a lot of area to cover. God said, I'm going to divide them. I still don't understand why, but he did. And I'm going to take two of you. I'm going to make a new partnership, Barnabas and John Mark. And I'm going to have you guys sail here and you encourage all these churches. And you tell all these churches what the Jerusalem council said, that you're a Greek believer. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to, take the law. You don't have to obey the law to be saved. And then he took the other team, look at verse 40 and 41, this other new partnership, but Paul chose Silas. Remember Silas? Silas was one of the guys, he was a Greek believer from Jerusalem who was chosen to take the Jerusalem decree. Greeks don't have to be circumcised to be saved. And he said, you go take it with the guy named Judas, go to Antioch and tell them about it. That's Silas. So he reappears here. Paul chooses Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So now, one team, out of one partnership comes two partnerships, out of two men come four men, and the two men go this way in a boat to Cyprus, and two men get their backpacks on and start walking all up through northern Syria, right? This is present-day Turkey right now. By the way, there's a big battle right now going on in Syria, And we're trying to see if Turkey will help us to calm everything down. So these two countries are right there. And they walk all the way through here. By the way, this is is called the Cilician Gates. This is a big mountain range called the Taurus Mountain Ranges. So this is a very narrow pass. I'm sure Corey has probably walked through it because he's been in Turkey. Wouldn't wouldn't doubt it at all if he's hung off some cliff on the Cilician Gates. I'm sure that story is to come. But they walked through this pass, and then they walked here to South Galatia, the book of Galatians, and they went back to Derby and Lister and Iconium, and they strengthened the churches. So what can I tell you? I can tell you that from one partnership came two. I can tell you that this partnership, these two partnerships did the same thing. They strengthened the churches with the word of God and with the Jerusalem decree. And I can tell you one more thing about strategic partnerships. Paul added one more guy to his team. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derby. All right, so now we've got them walking all the way around here. Up, oh, back to the map. Sorry, bro. Got them walking all the way back here. Who knows how long it took, all right? This is mountains, I mean, days, weeks, months, who knows? But they get back to Derby and Lystra, all right? Remember, Paul had been there previously. So it says in uh, 16.1, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He, Timothy, was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Talking about strategic partnerships, here we go. Another member to the partnership. Timothy's going to be made a partner. (laughs) That's usually a good thing, right? Verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him. What? Wait a second. Paul, you got some splaining to do here. I thought you got this decree in your back pocket says that Greeks don't have to be circumcised to be saved. I'll explain that in a moment. And circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So what's going on here? Paul is drafting a new member to the team. And Paul is having this new member to the team, Timothy, circumcised because of the Jews. Now here's what you have to understand. Paul is not having Timothy circumcised as a Gentile. Remember, his mother was what? Jewish. His father was Greek. He was a believer. Timothy was a believer. And his mother as well. Timothy was probably saved 
through Paul's preaching the first time Paul was in Lystra. Timothy probably remembers seeing Paul lying dead, it looked like he was dead, outside the city of Lystra because they had thrown, the opponents of the gospel had thrown rocks and had bloodied Paul, and he saw him lying dead and thought, wow, this guy who preached the gospel, he's dead now. And then he saw him stand up, get up, and walk back into the city with no fear and depart to go preach the gospel. Timothy remembers that. And over the next three or four years, I'm not sure how many years afterwards this is, but the next three or four years, Timothy is faithful in the church. It says that the churches in this region, in Lystra and Iconium, said, Timothy's a good man, he's a leader. He can preach. Bentley, I mean, Timothy can preach. He's a young man. But this guy's got something. And and Paul sees it. And Paul says, let's get him circumcised, not as a Gentile believer, so that he could be saved. No, because he's got the decree in his back pocket saying that's not true. But let's get him circumcised as a Jew. Now stay with me. Timothy's mom is Jewish. The Jews see him as a Jew. But he's an uncircumcised Jew. So therefore, the Jews think that he's an apostate Jew. So I believe what's happening here is Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, we're here to preach the gospel. We're here to strengthen the churches. But my heart is still for my Jewish people. Remember, Paul never lost his desire to see the Jews saved, his people, his ethnic people, not through the law, but by faith in Christ alone. He said, I would rather be cursed that they would be saved. We know that from other sections in Scripture. So I think what's happening here is he's saying, Timothy, look, I think you're called to the ministry. I think you're you're called to preach and teach and pastor. I want you on the team. I want you to, come on, let's do it. But you're a Jew and you're an uncircumcised Jew. Let's get you circumcised, not for your salvation, but so that the Jews, remember what it says here, because of the Jews, right? It says because of the Jews, Verse 3, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Let's get you circumcised so that the Jews that are unsaved will no longer look at you as apostate, that is to say, not a good Jew, and they will let you and me come into the synagogue and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to unsaved Jews. That's why he had him circumcised. Timothy, we're going to make you a partner. But you got to get circumcised. What? It's like, hello? I thought you said that wasn't necessary for salvation. It's not. Then why am I doing it? So we can reach more Jews. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> you want to join the church? Yeah, you got to be circumcised. Whoa, wait a second here. You crazy? Get your hands off me. You know, it's just like, it's not going to happen. But what does Timothy do? He does it. Why? Well, here's why. Here's why. I think this next passage shows us God's heart, Paul's heart, and Timothy's heart. Look at this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. This is Paul writing later. Listen to what he says about partnerships that are formed to reach the, to reach the nations with the gospel, no matter what it takes. Look, for though I am free, Paul writing, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law. Paul's saying, I'm going to be as one under the law to those under the law, knowing that I'm not under the law for salvation. I'm under Christ. But so I can reach them, I'll be as one under the law. That's what he was doing to Timothy. That I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. Do you see it? Win the weak. Win those under the law. Win those outside the law. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Now he understands God's the one that saves them. But look at the urgency. Look at the heart. Look at the partnership. Are you involved in a partnership like that? Or is your partnership just to go fishing? Or to share the cost on heat season tickets? None of those things are wrong. But which partnership grabs your heart? I've become all things to all people, that, but by all means I might save some. Verse 33, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Why do you do what you do? 
Is it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings? I love what David Peterson says. If Paul, next quote, if Paul himself became like a Jew to the Jews in order to win Jews, why should not Timothy also be circumcised to win the circumcised? Although as a Christian Jew, he was free from the law like Paul himself. Friends, our partnerships will demand from us a heart that loves God and loves our neighbor so much that we will do whatever it takes to reach them. And so they grab Timothy and they circumcise him and they lay hands on him in other ways and they ordain him. This is probably the reference in 1 Timothy 4 when Paul says to Timothy, remember the days when the elders laid hands on you and you were ordained? Preach the word, brother. And that's what they did. Look at verse 4. They took this new member of the team, and look what it says in verse 4. And as they, now it's Paul, Silas, Timothy, this partnership is growing. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So, partnerships. Back to point one, strategic partnerships. Strengthen the church through sound doctrine, point two. This strategic partnership now is strengthening the church with sound doctrine. In their time, that sound doctrine was primarily the Jerusalem Council's decree. Do you see that in verse four? They delivered to them, the churches, the decision and told them, observe this decision, not only hear the word, but do it, that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. But when they're giving them the decision... They're giving them the word of the Lord. They're giving them the reason why you're no longer saved by the law. You're saved by Jesus. So they're reviewing the law if they're a Greek and never even knew about the law. Then they're reviewing how Jesus fulfilled the law. And they're going through all the Old Testament passages. They're doing Bible, biblical theology like we did last semester. And all these pagans who are totally biblically illiterate are going, wow, you mean when Abraham sacrificed Isaac, that was a picture of God the father sacrificing his son, and the lamb and the ram that God provided was actually pointing to Jesus? Yeah, woo! And they're preaching that, and they're teaching that. That's how the church is strengthened, with sound doctrine. Not with a bunch of mumbo-jumbo from cult, modern-day preachers, who wouldn't know right doctrine if it bit them. And they get our dollars. And they build huge temples and have TV programs. It's interesting. When they go through the Cilician gates, uh, some, some scholars say that, that they also call that little walkway, you know, through these mountain passes, uh, the false teacher walkway. <laughs> So you got these false teachers telling them you have to add the law and circumcision to Jesus Christ to be saved. And you got Paul and Silas following them saying, no, you don't. (laughs) May they cut themselves is what he literally says to them in Galatians. Right? Circumcision. Uh, He's saying, no way, pal. He's calling out Peter. He's saying, no, here's sound doctrine. This is how the church grows, through gospel, biblical, sound doctrine. That's what they're doing, and that's how the church grows. I mean, there's three examples of it. The first one, Judas and Silas, up on the screen, Acts 15, 31 and 32. Look what they did. And when they, Judas and Silas, read it, they, the church in Antioch, rejoiced because of its encouragement. What were they reading? They were reading sound doctrine, which is the Jerusalem Council's decree that you Greek Christians do not have to be circumcised, do not have to keep the law. And look what happens. And Judas and Silas, the same Silas that's now with Paul, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. When sound doctrine comes, the church is strengthened. When sound doctrine is not there, no matter how big it is, how flashy it is, how many programs it has, how many people seem to be thrilled and chilled, it is not a strong church. Next example, Paul and Silas. We just went through it. There it is again for you on the screen, 15, 40, and 41. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. With what? The word of God. And then finally, what we just read, 16, 4 and 5. Now Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Verse 4, 16, 4. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem 
so that the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Sound doctrine, properly preached and taught, results in strong, mature Christians. And strong, mature Christians are the motor for multiplication in God's church. It's God's church growth program. You being a strong Christian. And going and sharing with others. And forming biblical, strategic partnerships around something more than your hobby or like what you like to do to work out. Not wrong to do that. But, but, all right, so here's an example. So, I, I feel like I pulled a little bit of a John Mark this last year. Um, we've been hammering away for 16 years. 15 and a half years. <laughs> it's when we did the 15-year anniversary, you know, with the, with the T-shirt and the park and the coldest day ever in history in South Florida. <laughs> whoever, listen, whoever did serve that morning deserves a medal, like a purple heart, because you can have frostbite, yeah. It's like when we hit that one, guys, I mean, honestly, it's just like I, I did a John Mark, man. I mean, we got to, we got to Panflea and, and, and Pergama, and, you know, they started walking with their backpacks that way, and I saw the, you know, Royal Caribbean, you know, Star of the Sea, whatever it was, you know, with the, with the slide and everything. And I went, I'll be right there, guys. And, you know, next thing, they, they, they see the boat taking off. Ooh, ooh, and I'm like, hey! <laughs> and off they went, and I went back to Jerusalem. And one of the areas where I just took this little mental holiday, where I, I did this little abandonment and um, not putting my hand to the work, was in evangelism. As you know, I love evangelism. I love people. I love talking with the weirdest people in the world because I'm weird. And so I feel comfortable with them. And I love talking with people that are just doing things that would make others uncomfortable. And I just, I like that. I love to, why are you doing that? And then we just, I hang out with people like that. And I just stopped doing that. I, I just, I hunkered down, you know. Who knows? Age, weariness, the enemy, it's all the above, right? And, and so recently, the Lord's just shaken me out of that. And so I've been praying. Every Tuesday, I pray for the unbelievers in my life. I, I want more contact with unbelievers. So I, so I thought about this partnership with Enzo. We all know Enzo, right? We love Enzo. Where Enzo and I started talking, uh, he, he heads up the, the setup team. So we meet every month. And we talk about, you know, ministry stuff. But Enzo told me that he, he has coffee every uh, morning at La Carreta in Miramar, right off of I-75, with a bunch of people. And none of, all these people have in common is they get together for coffee every morning at 7 a.m. and they just talk. So I thought, Enzo, let's form you and I a partnership. When we meet monthly, instead of going over to the Starbucks right next to it where it's quiet and we could talk about, you know, how's it going with the ministry team? How's it going with the setup team? Are you getting volunteers to help you with the setup? Are they all a bunch of John Marks that are on a cruise in their brain right now? Um, did I just say that? Um, so... Uh, you know, we, we, I said, no, no, let's, let's, let's have our meeting at La Carreta in the middle of them. And he goes, well, Al, now, they're pretty loud. I can handle that. I'm pretty loud. Every once in a while, they may say a few cuss words. I think I can handle that. Um, they're crazy. I definitely can handle that. So we did it. It's a partnership. By the way, they love and respect this man. No, no, right, we're... That doesn't surprise us. He's a hardworking man. They re- so I walk up with Enzo. These guys wouldn't give me the time of day. But because I'm with Enzo, they let me in their group. So we did our business meeting. And then he had to go. And I stayed a little bit longer. And I talked. Listen, we, we're talking about, this is how eclectic, how different this group is. We're talking about the, a captain in the Miramar Police Department. A retired hostage negotiator from the Miami-Dade Police Department a retired teacher who's in his 80s who grew up in the Bronx, a Jewish man, but he grew up a secular Jew, but taught down here in Miami for many years. A couple of younger, you know, sort of Hialeah guys that are crazy that have made some money and they now live in Miramar, and so they got the chains happening, they're chain-smoking the cigarettes, they're just talking, they're very funny, very profane, and, you know, and, and just everybody, and it's just a big group. I'm like, everybody, when they come up, they kind of walk around them, you know, it's like, ooh. I'm in the middle of them. That's a partnership. May one day God use us, if it's his will, to reach some of them for Christ. 
I'm back in the game. I'm back in the game. Back in the game. Yeah. So, that's what we're talking about. I think that's what this scripture is talking about. But it's talking about one other thing, and I've got to share this as well, because I think it goes along with the Enzo thing. Um, It's not just getting back in the game, but it's realizing that sound doctrine is what grows the church. So, for example, I, I just been listening to the marriage class that Corey taught. And, and in, in the first marriage class, he talks about there's this consumer mentality that's come into the church, particularly around marriage. So you come to marriage with not what I can bring and the union that, that God's going to forge, but what can it give me? And then he just gives some practical examples. And then he talks about how Christ came to give his life so that we would be united to him. And in the same way as husbands, for example, when we give our lives, it brings unity to our marriage with our spouses. When we demand things as consumers, it separates us. And then he gave one illustration that just killed me. You know how when you're in the car, you're listening to something, you remember exactly where you are when that illustration came. He's like, oh, God is speaking to me right now. He said, for example, guys, When you come home and your wife asks you, how did it go today at work? And you say, fine. (laughs) To you, you've answered her question. She's wanting to know, well, what is fine? What were you thinking? What was your neighbor thinking? What was that person thinking that you think was thinking? How did you view this, you know? Right? We guys, if we were like on the internet, we would have like one tab open. You know, women, they have 45 tabs open and they're aware of what's going on in each one. We're just like, eh... How'd your day go? Fine. Because, you know, the bottom line is, I don't want to talk anymore. I'm tired of hearing people's problems. I'm tired of giving counsel about people's problems. I talk for a living. And I just want to say, fine, give me the remote control. I want to watch ESPN, and I want to watch the Heat tonight when they play the Bulls. Yes, right. He'll repent later for that. And... uh, And he's a good man, by the way, because I know God's working in him because he's my barber and we talk all the time. But you know what I did this time? Hopefully I did, Des. <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, Corey was just saying, part of me laying my life down like Jesus did is just to go into detail. And it's hilarious because I went into detail and I'm sure Desi's thinking, well, that was a nice try. <laughs> right? Because, you know, but, but here's the point. Here's the point. I grew through sound doctrine that my brother taught as it was applied in the Pino household. And as the Pino household has a marriage that's more compelling, a a wife that is happier, a husband that is just, just more serving. And the world sees that. Even though they may mock marriage, they may not understand marriage. They don't understand Christ's sacrifice. They don't understand that the man stands representing Christ and the woman stands representing the church. But when they see something healthy, it's healthy fruit. They go, wow. And if God has called them, boom, they pick it. They want to find out about it. That's how multiplication happens in the church. Do you see that? That's what we're talking about here. So what's the appeal? Here's the appeal. If you are like John Mark and you've withdrawn a bit, get back to work. Get back to work. Let God cause you to be a faithful man or a woman that he can trust. Listen, this last scripture up there, I don't even know where it is anymore, Tyler, because I went off my notes long ago. There you go. Uh, but 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. This is the scripture that my wife gave me on a walk several months ago to help me get back in the game. And this is the scripture she gave me, and I've been memorizing this scripture. And it comes at the end of a passage that talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is our hope the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it says, therefore, because the resurrection is true, because Jesus rose from the dead, therefore, Alpino, therefore, put in your name, beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, 
Be John Mark in 62 A.D., not 49 A.D. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Jose Prado, your labor is not in vain because it's in the Lord. Lenny Machen, your labor is not in vain because it's in the Lord. Miguel Medina, who, as you many of you know, is going to have to move to Orlando because he just couldn't get work here. And he and I spoke last night, and he was just in tears, and he was feeling like he's abandoning uh, the church there, but he's not because he's got to feed his family. And I said, Miguel Medina, your labor is not in vain because it's in the Lord. You served Palm Vista for years. You served Sovereign Grace Church Miami for years. You're not abandoning anybody. You're not a John Mark, you're a Silas, you're a Paul. Are you? You may not be called to reach the nations like Paul was, but you're called to strategic partnerships in this church. Are you seeking them? What partnership is God forging between you and someone in this church to strengthen it and to preach the gospel? Let's pray. Because of time, I'm going to close this without the worship team coming up, but let's just pray. Lord, I I pray that, Lord, I I just think of partnerships all around in the church. I, I think of those that partner together to make sure that we're served every morning, Enzo and his team, and you would bring others to that partnership. I I think of partnerships um, that help us uh, teach our children, particularly with the worship in motion team and and all that's been going on back there, that so many unnamed people, youth, uh, young men and women, I, I think of so many back there. If I started naming them, I'd forget them, but the ones that just jump out to me, Vanessa Bello and Maite, uh, Jonathan Parker, um, Noah, I see back there, Amber, Lord, just so many. There, there's many, many. Allie Brandy, Lord, there's so many back there. Brendan, there's all folks back there that are partnering in obscurity to see the gospel, the church strengthen, Lord. I see parents that no longer have children in ministry manning the check-in counter there. Right? I think of the Herreros. I think of the Maguna Goicocheas. I think of Sabrina, who's, who's single, who's helping to schedule back there. And the Kiros is that. There's so many partnerships. Lord, would you continue to create partnerships at Palm Vista? Would you continue to put it in the hearts of men and women to partner together to strengthen the church? Yes, to preach the gospel. Yes, to attend community group and to partner with one another and to apply the word. Oh, Lord, that we may partner together as you put us together to reach this city that your name would be glorified. Build your church, both here and at Sovereign Grace Church, Miami. I include Riverside Christian Fellowship in Coral Springs. Build your church, Lord Jesus, with strategic partnerships that strengthen the church with sound doctrine, both declared and demonstrated. And I pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for the benediction, please? Just stand quietly and look this way. This benediction comes to you from the Lord. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, this is for you. This is from Psalm 121. Here's what I believe the Lord would say to you this morning from that text. Lift up your eyes to the hill where Jesus, our Lord, died and to the tomb where He rose from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins. Christian, your help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord will not let your foot be moved. The Lord who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord, friend, is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. If you're a guest for the first time, I'd like to say hi to you right through these doors. You're dismissed.